back for another week of Rinky Dinking. I believe this is Rinky Dinking 4, or RD4, is how we're going with this one. You should and see the I got the knowing nod from our favorite millennial, uh, Jeff Totes, who will be joining us a little later on in the millennial moment, minute, whatever we want to settle on. But right now, it's just myself, Daryl Razor Ray. Everyone likes to include my nickname and my name all the time. I've just adopted that. Uh, just a heartwarming uh, festival of, of uh, coutre mans and uh, luxury that we're sitting in here along with Mr. Mike Heike from DallasStars.com uh, to go over some things here in Montreal. And I, people have asked me over and over and over and over and over again, what is your favorite city to go to? And obviously the Montreal Canadiens were my favorite team growing up. Ken Dryden was my favorite goaltender of all time. But I love this city. I, I love everything about this. It, it can feel like you've gone to Europe without going over the pond. And the games, I'll be them midweek games or early week games for us nowadays yeah. in Montreal, still have a buzz and an air of such class and importance to them. And that's why I like coming here. I don't know. What's your favorite stop on the circuit, Mike Heike? Well, first I'll say on Montreal that I always joke when we're in Canada, it's like we're in a completely different country because so much of Canada seems like the United States. It's just, you know, Edmonton or Toronto, Edmonton you know. Edmonton doesn't seem like the United just States, to me, does it? Yeah, it's, it's just a mall after mall after mall. Isn't <laughs> oh that the United God. States? That's your thought of yeah, you know, society a, a nowadays? A beautiful Edmonton. Anyway. But Montreal does feel like a different country. Yeah. It really is cool. Now, my Have you been to Quebec City? I have. That, that really takes that you That really to... takes you. Uh, that was back in the day when I'm just driving around myself trying to figure things out. And uh, they were not as friendly with the English-speaking people back when no, I first started. No, and if you've, ever, if you've ever taken a cab or driven in Montreal, the, the lanes on the roads are just really guides. Yeah, the, suggestions. Yeah, you might want to <laughs> stay here, but you don't have to. You can go all over the place. And uh, again, like... Like the French, they're very passionate about everything, including whether you cut them off or not. Yeah. I find it interesting, like, guys like Jim Montgomery come from the, yes. en the English-speaking part. Like, so you, when you're talking to him, there's just no French in him no. at all. But then this morning, he, you know, fought through the French interviews and did a pretty good job. But it, it's interesting that he grows up here. How could you and I handicap whether he did a good job or <laughs> That's not? That's right. In, they were laughing. In French. <laughs> the yeah, French well, reporters they, were they laughing. they got the joke. They did. Yeah. It was great. Uh, stars, unfortunately, arrive here in the Belle Provence and Mount Royal after another road loss. Yet another road loss. What? It feels like a disease now, and I'm I'm not trying to no. throw hyperbole in here. Like it really does feel like it's it's not just something because we're we're rolling over three coaching staffs and tons of different players, different goaltenders, different systems, and yet their ability to win away from American Airlines Center continues to be elusive. Well, and they the two home games they had were kind of high pressure. I talked to Mark Mathot about it, talked to Roman Polak about it, and goes like, we got to win these games. Like, we're going on a six-game road trip. We can't just, you know, just show up and not, you know, play our best hockey. And so then they did. They went out and played their best hockey. What a concept. We really need to play well, and then we come out and we play well. So then the same thing on, you know, Saturday, 
we, we can't just go out here and mess around. This is, you know, we got to get this win in Detroit. We really have to play well. And then they don't come close to playing well. No. And so then you're like, they know what the situation is. How can you sit there and say they have to work harder or they didn't have enough effort when they – they completely knew that they had to win that game. So it is. It's, it is like a disease where, you know, you always hear the, the term quicksand where, you, you know, you're in there and you're just trying hard, but you're just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And trying hard isn't the answer. Maybe you have to find a different way of doing things. So does that mean it's from the neck up? But I, it can't. But the issue I have with that is this, that there aren't enough guys that can mentally just torpedo what's going on you know there aren't enough still around this isn't the same group for the most part right there are different elements that have been peppered in there uh, and and yet it looks the same yeah. again and you know, Jim Montgomery said last night after the game it's the elephant in the room and I you know you watch this thing all the time and you experience it uh firsthand when we travel with them on the road yeah. and yeah, it's it's almost like okay, we're putting our white jerseys on again. Here we go. We know we're not very good on the road, and how is this going to change? I think that's the thing is, they all know it needs to change, right. uh, but it's it's the how. How how is this going to go from being uh, not just like poor, but really really bad, yeah. and has been that that way for a while. There was a. My favorite, one of my favorite elephant in the room jokes. A little levity here oh, instead we need, of bogging. We need some levity. Down. So the joke goes: I bought my friend an elephant for his room. He said thanks. I said don't mention it. <laughs> but I'm bump. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's really good. That yeah, is. I think you need a morning radio show. Yeah, I should. <laughs> Razor and Hika in the morning. Woo. Uh, I my here's my theory on it. I don't know whether I'm I'm right or not. Uh, but it, it, when it starts feeling like a Cormac McCarthy novel, every time you jump on a bus, uh, somehow, some way, they they have to galvanize. And I believe that new players can come together, yep. new coaches, everything. But it, you have to have this this uh, group hug idea, and you have to go into these foreign buildings and on trips like this where. Uh, you almost have like a Viking or a, or a Hun mentality where you're, you're going to go in, you're going to shut their fans up, you're going to make their team cower. Now, you, I'm, I'm not saying 15 years ago right. the way it was done, but because those days are gone, but there still has to be, uh, if you want to use swagger, I think you earn swagger. You don't right. all of a sudden, or you can spray it on, I guess they have that. Look at millennial laughed at that one. You got it. He probably has it on. No, he doesn't. Enjoy your meal while we do this, though, Totsi. The you know what I mean though. Like the, the you have to lean in on the road. Yeah. And it starts in goal. And if if you look like you're going to be rattled at that position, then all the positions in front of you are going to be rattled. And if your defense looks uncomfortable. Nowhere near as comfy as they are on home ice, you're going to get punctured there. And if you have certain forwards that just don't play the same on the road as right. they do at home, you're going to get beat there. I, I don't know whether it, it's a, you need. I know what it was back in the day and how you got out of yeah. these things, uh, you know. But you can't do that anymore. You can't just go out on a bender and then everybody play guilty and 
pull yourself out of it. My theory, and I, I, and I could be wrong, as we always talk about how wrong we can be, uh, that game in L.A. was the road game they need. They need all four lines playing. They need, you know. That At home against the, L.A. The, the home game against you L.A. You said that game in L.A. I was I'm like, sorry. hold it. I missed against, a road trip. Yeah, no, no. The home game on Thursday against L.A. when everybody was playing well, everybody had jump, everybody had confidence that they could make their moves. It was funny. Jamel Smith came in in Detroit, and here's a guy who goes, look, I got I to do something here. And they all had that attitude, I thought, uh, on Thursday. Now, why can't they do that on the road? They sure did it in that game. So why can't they – like, why can't everybody have that kind of jump and say, I need to do something this game? Yeah, yes, yes. But it, you, you can say it, but – I know, it's weird. Like, I remember when – and this wasn't just a road thing. Remember when Philly was on their – one of their ugly – losing streaks and they basically punched their way out of it i don't know whether that i don't know that that's the avenue right. you need to go but when your goalie goes down the ice and lays a licking on the other guy and there's there's a mini brawl and it's just you know boys are still boys yeah. and that all we're all in everybody we're all in here right. together and i'm playing for you and you're playing for me so I guess in in a way it is linkage to what you were talking about with the game against Anaheim. I thought the Ducks shouldn't be in the game yeah. against you. Getzlaff scores the second of the game. What happens right after that? Yeah, Radic Foxa just pummels Patterson right in their crease or in the Stars' crease. Basically, yeah. like we're gonna mop this thing up with you, and then the Stars rattle off three unanswered goals and go on to win it uh, five to two. Yeah, and to me that that sort of felt like what you need to do when you're on the road you you need to put your feet up on the furniture a little bit i like that spill a little car, uh, beer on the carpet yes there, you know and don't and and, and just rub your shoe over it yeah. like don't worry about cleaning it up yeah like just just do it i yeah at the bottom of all of that though you do it is personnel you you either have a really good group and i'm not saying that no i think that the personnel, there, there's, it shouldn't be as bad as it is. It, they, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be struggling to the level uh, that they have now for multiple years on the road. But maybe the, the, uh, how do you put it, the, 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 the pepper within there. Like you, you need a few of those individuals that might drag a couple more individuals right. into this thing letting them know, know know that you know what we're 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 gonna be okay here like and you're gonna actually embrace what's gonna go on here rather than the tiptoe i want plungers i want guys that that show up at the pool it says you have to shower first and they're like screw that i'm not wetting myself they go right up to the tower and do a cannonball off of it rather than the individual that puts his toe in and i don't know it's kind of cold and Maybe I'll just sit on the side for a little bit here, and then and then kind of ease my right. way in. And you need you don't need them all to be cannonballers. No. Otherwise, there's no water in the pool anymore. I'm really meandering down an analogy trail here right now. It's beautiful. It is. I'm waxing. I'm waxing. <laughs> so who knows? It's only it's only one game on this trip, and uh, they have a bunch upcoming after the game in what is or was known as hockey town and a 4-2 loss there and it 
They, I noticed they don't paint it on the ice there anymore. And this is your world, Mike Heike. You're, you're Mr. Uh, Michigan. Mr. Michigan. Uh, so Hockey Town, was a st- they have it right on the board up there. I read it last night. Hockey Town established 1926. Now, the name, the moniker Hockey Town did not start in 1926. Yeah. But... Uh, Hockey Town probably started around what twenty five years, uh, twenty seven yeah. years ago now. In that range, by the time the Russians got here, <laughs> <laughs> they celebrated the Russian it's five. Right. I like that. And the arrival of that, <laughs> we only had the Russian one in the game, yeah, so you know. it didn't work on the star side. But do you still? And maybe the answer is yes from you, since you're from there. Is do you still feel, or did you ever feel like, like Detroit, Michigan was Hockey Town? It's one of them. I mean, I really do believe uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul rivals any town in the United States. I mean, you can look at Buffalo or Boston. Uh, I look at Buffalo. Yeah, I like I like Buffalo. And, I, and, you know, my brother lives there, so I've been around it. And I, and I do like the fact that they don't really tout it. They don't, you know, pound their chest about it. But they really are a great hockey town. Uh, but They're in New York uh, and the proximity to, to, Toronto. to Toronto, the NHL is – loving that that spot they they built that new facility the the entertainment district or whatever they call it i think it's it's another bank name now key bank i I believe in buffalo but they have they have uh it's so easy for tournament tournaments to be held there they have the sabers and have had them forever and they're rabid saber i mean look if they still show up for those (laughs) sabers the last few years yeah (laughs) maybe they do deserve to have it be uh, Hockey Town USA. They've had the World Junior Championships there that were a blast. They, they have an I think they have one of those hockey academies there now too. And I think your point is if you can have an international competition in your city in the United States and sell tickets really well, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Boston's got the bean pot, which I still think is pretty I think important. Boston's right there too. Yeah. I De- do. Detroit always has a good college uh, tournament there at the Joe. Great they Lakes Invitational. Yeah. Is that what it is? And then, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul with a high school tournament there. Um, but the, the thing. I'll say, I'll say that. Hold it. Go ahead. Hold that thought. I'll say this. If the U.S. National Development Program was in Detroit instead of in Ann Arbor, I would still give them Hockey Town. Ah, interesting. Well, my my biggest complaint is, you know, they won, they won, they won, they won. So then it was kind of easy to be hockey fans. Well, now they're not winning, and it's not easy to be a hockey fan, and it's showing. Uh, Change the seats. We we documented that last (laughs) night on the broadcast. So they they build that new arena – and they had maybe they just forgot how vibrant New Red looks like because right. the seats at the Joe were ancient. What did it start in '79? Yep. Those that was ancient red. It was it was really a, a different hue of red by then. It was a bit of a dingy red. And they they opened the new building, and I mean, it, it was Satan's living room in there <laughs> when, when we went in last year. With the ceiling, it yes. was all red, and there were lights, and everything was red, and the seats were all red. And the Pistons were a little ticked off, even though they're in partnership with one another. They're like, hold it here. How about helping out the tenant partner here? Too much red. And then, of course, with so many seats either not filled with people not going or just not sold, it just popped on television. So they switched them to black. There you go. You know what? They're searching. Everybody's searching. I know. Uh, but, yeah, it's really hard to call them Hockey Town right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a run, though. It was. I mean, especially when you start you, in the early 80s. And when you compare Detroit sports, I think they're uh, pretty much number one. I don't think the Lions are catching up anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another day. Uh, we will have a little musical interlude, which we like to do, which bridges us. See how this works on, on podcasting, on rinky-dinky? This is a bridge. It's not a break. It's merely a bridge to another topic. And that next topic is the original six. Well, Mike Heike, this is quite the original six trip that we are or have embarked upon. Detroit yesterday, Montreal tomorrow, Toronto after that, Boston also included in there. So the only ones we're omitting are the Chicago Blackhawks and the New York Rangers. And uh, we're, the, the, here's, here's what I was thinking about when I, I was pondering this trip. Maybe it's just because we're inside the sport that we think or hold up the original six in such high regard. I'm wondering whether other sports do the same thing about their origins. Baseball, probably. Yeah. What about the other two? The other two, I'm going to say not as much. You know, the Celtics, obviously, you know, they have their history from way back when. Not all of it good. No, <laughs> that's true, too. <laughs> Same with the NHL. True, you know, but not, not, not in not, that category. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, the uh, uh, football is just, they, they're the ramrod of the future. They just want it, new, they, new, 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 and it works for them. I agree. Yeah. And I think in some ways that should be the way. Well... Like, I even think – I love history, and I love the history of the game and even the history of this franchise. But you start getting – well, the millennial would be perfect for yep. this. You get a little ways away from stuff, and nostalgia is just – it's not as intoxicating as we think. Yes and no, because – and I think you agree with this – is that it's a big part of who you are. It's a big part of who I am. Like, I took – what I was taught as a kid, which is this is the right way to do it, the way we did it in the 50s or the 40s or whatever. Look at Totes <laughs> and, is just, he's gone and, to his phone. He's, and I carried that water for the generation who taught me before. And uh -huh. I, I like that. Like, I, I know that's probably wrong, and I know that there's better ways to do things, but we were taught to do things, quote, unquote, the right way. And it's important to me, and I think it's important to you. And you know, I, I do believe carrying that on to the next generation could be a good thing, but I kind of see that kind of flowing away. I don't need, think my uh, kids are getting the same uh, information I had, and I'm not sure yours are either. No, I guarantee you mine aren't. The, I, I just, I think it's been important in the states for a couple of these original six teams to be successful again and yes. first relevant and then uh championship caliber you know the bruins the bruins haven't really deviated for that long no. from things but uh them them winning obviously the hawks the rangers were close and now they're very far away yep as they rebuild there. Yeah, we just talked Detroit about fan, yeah, we they, just talked about Detroit. They and stumbled through the 60s yeah. and 70s and then to, you know to come on to what they and were. And the 80s. And the 80s too, yeah. I until mean, late, until yeah. Eisenman showed up. I mean, to, to come I mean Jim Lights tells the story they were giving away cars 
at games just to, just get, to get people, people to come. Yeah. Uh, Montreal is the last Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup in 93. Toronto, they're knocking back up the, up the uh, I like pole. It. Yeah. I, I like Toronto being good. Yeah, I do too. I think that, that I do helps too. the league. And the other thing I wish. But that, I guess that's what I'm saying though. Is it, is it more, is it important in this league as opposed to other leagues that your original six teams are good? And, and I mean really good? Or is it broad across all sports? One of the problems, and this is just my opinion. Like the Cubs, you know? Yeah, I think the Cubs are huge. You know, yeah. one of my problems is that I think the United States media or the perception from the media in the United States has a hard time embracing the Canadian franchises. And if they would do that, I think there would be more fans who would appreciate, like, you know, if you were to put, you know, Toronto on a NBC rivalry game or whatever, I think people would love it. I mean, these are some of the best players in, in well, the NHL. they just did. I know, but I'm saying... On a Wednesday night. Right, and they've, they've kind of shied away from that. We've gotten too much Chicago and New yeah, York. Yeah, because they're just Boston too, and Philly. They're and, beholden to ratings. Right, and whatever period. that market is. Which is understandable because you and I don't sit in those boardrooms. Right. But at the same time, it, it seems fairly short-sighted from a uh, broader marketing perspective uh, and it's nice now right. like you look now I think there were seven Americans on Winnipeg's team that could it, be. it's yeah. I think it's the second most American laden uh, franchise or roster in the NHL right now the Bruins I think have the most yeah. and then the best player on the Toronto Maple Leafs is a kid from the desert I know and that those are the stories I think yeah. that we should be telling and there's yeah. where you can I think mix the tradition of Toronto with the you know ramrod of the NFL and say here's a superstar you should watch him you know just because he's a superstar marketing marketing the NHL doubled to 12 teams in 1966 that was the first expansion and that brought in LA uh, the California Seals the Philadelphia Flyers the Pittsburgh Penguins the St. Louis Blues and the Minnesota North Stars that was the original 12. We used to kid when I was playing that it was the original 21. <laughs> so that you, was when the... T- so, so you were a part of the original 21. I was a part of the original 21. You're an old time. There were what? Four, like 480 players round yeah. in the league then. 42 goalies. You had to be one of 42 goaltenders on the planet. Good enough to play in the original 21. Now, any shyster could end up in goal gear and play in the league there's 64 goalies now I, kidding I, me? I was going to go to this uh, category but you seem to always want to shy away from it but we should talk more about Daryl Ray's uh, hockey career no we got to move on to other <laughs> subjects there are other things I think it's kind of neat though for people that haven't traveled to these original six cities to because it, it it's so ingrained. It, there, I like the the new car smell right. thing too. Vegas is fun. Oh, fantastic. look at, yeah. <laughs> look at Tootsie. You know, it's it, great. It's great. Which uh, do you want to talk about? Uh, I have this conference final theory. Do you think we have time? Sure. I'm I'm just popping this one on you. So, speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, there there is a a theory that came out with the introduction of the salary cap where I heard the analytical belief 
that every team should be able to make a conference final in a 15-year window. Parity? It's just the product or byproduct of, of the salary cap. You're not going to have the same four teams or three teams just rotating over and over right. and over again. And, and we look, witnessed that and probably benefited a little bit from that in the, in the 90s. Well, and you look at the Chicago's and the L.A.'s, and we talked about this last week, when, when the draft helps you feed some of the top five players in each year, yeah, you're going to change the rotation of who the better teams are. So if, if I were to ask you right now, with that theory, how many teams are past due of the 31 Ooh. teams? 15 years. There's somewhere within a 15-year window, they have made it to a conference final. Hmm. I might go with like 10 to 15 teams. That are, that are that past, past due. due. That's what I thought, too, when yeah. I started doing it. Only five teams are past due wow. on a 15-year window. Yeah. Isn't that something? That is. Well, and it's so for the most part, and, and the cap's only been around since 05. Right. So it's not like it's – but I guess that's what we're, we're coming upon. We're on that window. Yeah, that absolute window. There, there are only 10 teams that are in double digits in that. But the – so uh, to run them down for you, the New York Islanders have gone 25 years. Yeah, not good. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't believe that when I saw that. It was like it's a quarter century. Well, and then you keep – To going, a conference final. Right. You keep going back to saying, okay, well, they had Chara and they had – and, you know, all these guys that they drafted early and they got rid of. So So they were at 25 years. Uh, the Florida, Florida Panthers, 22 years. Yeah since they were in the conference final. They did that, they did that early on. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets have never been anywhere, really. So since their inception, that's 17 years. The Colorado Avalanche were last in the conference final in 2002. So they're, what, 15, 16? Yeah. Right on the number. And uh, many... Minnie was in the conference final in 2003. I think they knocked off a Dallas. Uh, I think it was a Dallas was, Stars. Yeah, that was the Dallas Stars where the Stars yes. lost to the Ducks, and yes. they were like they would have crushed Minnesota in they, the conference finals. And they ran a goaltender with very inflated gear all the way to the <laughs> Stanley Cup final. But that's 15 years uh, for them. The Leafs are are uh, 16 years. The Leafs are only 16 years from a conference final. Only. <laughs> But think about it. I mean, everyone talks about 67, the last time they won a cup. They're, 16 years ago, they were in, they were in the conference final yeah. in 02. But you, you look at some of these other teams. Like I just laugh every time I see Vegas. Vegas, one year, conference final, Stanley Cup final. Just boom, right out of the gate. Yep. Isn't that crazy? So Buffalo, 11 years. Uh, Calgary's gone 13 years. The Dallas Stars have gone a decade. Yep. 08 against Detroit. We, we got that in the broadcast last night. <laughs> How about that one? So the two of the four times the Stars have made it to a conference final, uh, they have got popped by Detroit. Yeah. 98 and 08. Back in the day. They were very good when they took on the Colorado Avalanche. Well, that worked funny, well for them. Back in the day, uh, Dallas couldn't beat Detroit. Detroit couldn't beat Colorado, and Colorado couldn't beat yeah. Dallas. I mean, it really was a rotation that held up pretty strong. Yeah. 
And yeah. those are the three powerhouses. Yeah. And uh, and the Edmonton Oilers is the other team. 12 years. Yeah. 12 years without – 12 years drafting in the top five in most of those years, and they haven't returned to the conference final. So, anyway, thanks Good for stuff. indulging me. And that, I, I find that pretty – Yeah. I'm not big on that kind of research for one. But it, it fascinates me a little bit. They're, yeah. they're right. Like, you should be in a conference final at least every 15 years. And it's part of the plan. So the Stars, have, Stars really have five years to play with here now. All right, plenty of time. Hey, hey how about that? Uh, next thing I wanted to touch on uh, was what? What did we have left? We have the millennial who wanted to talk about road trips. And I believe we'll do that. After this. Totally. Totes my goats. Cool. Oh, the greatest lead-in we have on Rinky Dinking. The lead-in to Totes my goats, our 24-year-old millennial who puts all of this together and puts all others to shame. Yeah. So what do you have for us this week? Well, thanks for having me back. Uh, we, you, this wouldn't... <laughs> actually happen without you talking about what we love about montreal you omitted smoked meat sandwiches i had one on the way home highlight of the city this is good well as i'm i'm gonna say it's an enjoyable part of the city i'm not gonna go with highlight i mean to another point earlier nostalgia does nothing for me see i told you did nobody ever say to you hey isn't this so cool, uh, no or? no let's let's do this and i know you want to talk you had a question about about road trips and what have you but so when you see or hear any of this old timey stuff, hey there, laddie, on football, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever, you, none of that resonates with you. Uh, unless it's like iconic, like an incredible moment, but not, um, I mean, just think about the Stars branding last year of 25th, everything, yeah. nothing. But the, <laughs> the thing I, I'm puzzled by, though, is the access to all that stuff is so readily available nowadays for everybody. But I guess you have to have an interest in it. You guys just have your eyes going forward all the time, don't you? Right. Which it's is about- not a, I, it's not a bad thing, Mike. It really isn't. You know what they say? If, if you don't keep your eyes forward as you're marching and you look back all the time, likelihood of stepping into a hole and falling down goes way up. Those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, that's that's old, very, that's old timey <laughs> stuff. That's very dour. <laughs> we're uh, we're going across the Atlantic for a newsreel, Mike Heika. Well, well, I laugh at just this week is what Totes, if he's a fan of the ticket, is seen. It's Will Chamberlain with Norm Hitzka's head on it. That's how they study history. <laughs> They've got Will Chamberlain holding up the hundred point sign, and it's Norm Hitzka's. They make fun of history. So when you Walk into that building, the Bell Center, and you yep. see all those banners and all those names. That's cool. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. See? There you go. That's there cool. you go. That's all I wanted to hear from you. But I also like the, uh, the Detroit roof that changes colors. That's cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're into anything that morphs, right? So my question for you guys today, with all your combined years of travel, um, team-related travel, all the buses, hotels, flights, worst travel story? Uh, well, I, we, I mean, we go back to when the teams traveled commercial yeah. and 
there are many horror stories of commercial travel. Just try to think of this. I'm always dumbfounded by this nowadays, is that we used to pack highly paid young professional athletes, all their gear, onto a commercial airline, and would we would never sit in smoking. No. We would sit in the seat right in front of smoking. Smoking on planes. <laughs> they, like the whole fuselage was just filled. People just darting up at the back. And we would go to the airport at the uh, break of dawn. You had to be there an hour and a half or whatever ahead. You'd sit in the terminal all together, play the dollar bill game. They'd tie a dollar bill to a <laughs> string or whatever, and people would reach down to grab it and you'd yank it away from them. <laughs> Hilarity ensued just to kill time. It was bonding. Then we'd, we'd get all our tickets handed to us. We'd get on. Guys are in middle seats, 6'5". I remember 6'5", 235, Darian Hatcher sitting in a middle seat for three and a half hours. And then get in, go to your hotel, and uh, there was no team meal, no nothing. You went out, got your own food in you, got up the next day, went at it, uh, morning skate, slept at the hotel in the afternoon, played the game that night, stayed overnight, and then got up at some ungodly time of the morning to do it all again and, and travel somewhere else. And it was nobody really complained that much about being exhausted on the road in that. And now we, we travel <laughs> we travel on a seven sixty seven that's chartered with nothing but first class seats. There's food everywhere. There are these big thick new blankets. The new blankets are something else, aren't Huge they? Huge upgrade. <laughs> you know, you can have all your there, there's anything you you would want to make your traveling easier is available. They travel a masseuse. There are guys that carry every bit of equipment that you would ever need and what have you. Yep. The meals, there's a meal for you four times a day. We stay at places like this, and, and yet they still get fatigued on the road. I don't, I don't really get that. But anyway, that wasn't answering your, your question. <laughs> your, your memory? I know what mine is. It's more, a, it's more just a funny things do happen than just a nightmare of a road trip. Uh, I used to travel on my own, so then I'd have to uh, fly commercial, just like the uh, old players, and then go rent a car and find my way around. And a lot of times I need to do this on a budget. Uh, and so then I would, you know, drive from Calgary to Edmonton. Did you hitchhike sometimes, sometimes then, just to I pocket actually, a little yeah, extra money? Yeah. Uh, but I'd drive from Calgary to Edmonton in just horrendous blizzards sometimes. Yes. And, and so that was probably just navigating those sometimes. Uh, I think it's usually two and a half, three hour trip could sometimes take five and then sometimes you'd be coming back because there was a cheaper flight out of calgary so you'd drive from edmonton to get the 6 a.m flight that's all the bad stuff but the potentially worst thing that ever happened i was saved by a man named ken hitchcock because we were in oh, toronto look at we're putting our microphones down yeah, now, and we're yeah. gonna listen <laughs> we were in toronto and i believe it was december 23rd and there was a huge blizzard coming and I had a flight out the next morning. And the stars were flying out on their charter after the game. And Hitch sends a note up to the press box and says, you're not going to get out. If you want to fly on this plane with us, you can. And so I said, all right. So I actually run back to the hotel, 
in the second intermission, uh, you know, take cab it back, pack up my suitcase, bring it back to the arena, cover the game, write the story, get on the plane and get back home. And I would not have been there for, we would have been stuck in Toronto for Christmas for probably till the 26th Might or 27th. Might still be there. I might still be there. in a snowbank. That's right. And all because of Hitch, it was a Christmas miracle. Wow. He is Santa Claus. He is Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Hitch. Uh, mine, you're going to have to help me maybe a little bit with the, the um, details of why we had to stay overnight. But we piled into a hotel. Were we in Jersey? Was that Detroit? Was it? De- yeah, it was Detroit. Yeah, it was Detroit. That's right. So we, for whatever reason, was it a plane issue? Yeah. yeah. There was an engine issue with the plane. Yeah. So we couldn't leave. We, and ultimately, we had to stay overnight. And Stretch was in a panic to try to find rooms for everyone because we'd already checked out of our hotel and we're ready to go on to the next city. And there were only so many rooms, and the odd number of players and and uh, non-essential personnel, as we're known. And as the rooms, it was basically first come, first serve, right. and you were told to buddy up. Were you on this trip? No. When no. was this? Cody Eastwood. How many years ago was this? About three or four, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, Yager was here. Yager was okay. here, so it may have been. Five. And he's the crux of the yeah. story. So basically, you're just scrambling. You're just looking for someone that. <laughs> potentially doesn't snore and i'll take you and you come it was just a free-for-all right and stretch was really really giddy at this time he was he was a ball of fun as he tried to get everyone in a room and uh so anyway we we had rooms in that so we, everyone keeps going down and yager had only been with us for yeah well he was only here for well, he was here for 35 games, games yeah, or 35 something games, like that yeah. so he didn't really know anybody but we're talking this is yarmer yager <laughs> right like, so we get down to it, and there's a room left, and there's Mark Vittorio, <laughs> our di- illustrious director of Dallas Vito. Stars Television, and a future first ballot home run Hall of Famer, Yarmir Yager. And they've never met one another. Yep. I'm sure Yarmir had no idea what he did or why he was with us or whatever. But they bunked together one night in Detroit. We got up in the morning, and I think Vito stayed in the room with them. Yeah. And I don't think they ever said a word to one another, really, <laughs> other than a couple nods and, all right, good night. Down they went, and off we went. So oh. That was one of my good stories, too, because Cody Eastwood was my bunkmate. So I was awakened at 6 a.m. to him doing yoga. Really? That, yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, he- it is every day. Yeah, he's into his body. <laughs> the the worst travel, the worst weather travel thing though, was when we flew up to Edmonton on that old uh, when Tom Hicks owned the team yeah. and we we purchased our own plane, flew around on it, and it was like minus thirty. It, it was almost it was minus forty in Edmonton, and the hydraulics on the plane actually froze. No. Yes, to a point where they they couldn't steer the plane when they landed, like. We, we landed, and it was just going straight. They got it stopped, and then they couldn't turn it to get it in near the terminal or anything. They had to go out there, the guys that worked on it, and start the plane at night, like no, just uh, to yeah. try to keep up. the engines warmed up like we might be able to get out of there. So Steve Ott, whose both parents uh, are, are pilots, were in the Canadian Air Force, and he is just deathly afraid of flying. Really? Which is so oh, yeah. perfect, yes. And I mean, 
I like, yeah. Yeah, when I was with Edmonton, Wayne Gretzky was petrified of flying. Rod Phillips, the play-by-play guy, was nuts about it. Like it was a nightmare. But Steve put both of them to shame, I think. So in order to take off in the morning, because it was we had to stay an extra. I think we had to stay an extra day. We were supposed to go to Vancouver, yeah. and we had to wait around for them for the sun to come out or something. So they would heat it up enough to where the hydraulics would work again. It just didn't sound like a really good, <laughs> good plan. No, it didn't. Outside of the jump starting the plane or pushing it right. down the We've got hair we've got hair dryers here warming it up. So honest to God, in order to get Steve Ott settled down and that plane off the ground, they had to feed him drinks. Really? At like eight o'clock in the morning. Or he wouldn't fly. There's no way. Oh. He would have he would have went berserk. Yeah. So they were they were hammering back shots of whiskey at eight in the morning just in order to get him to settle down. I wanted one too, to a be nice, honest. A with nice you. sedative there. Huh? A nice sedative yeah. there. That plane was fun. Yes. It wasn't a great plane and it wasn't really configured properly, but there's some other stories that I just can't tell you about. <laughs> yeah. There's a ski jump story in there somewhere with a goaltender involved hmm. that had a Canadian ski team suit on. But that's all. That that's all I'll tell you about that. So, uh, all things now are good, as you see. Awesome. You, you know I nothing but this, do you? I love you it. You expect this t- degree of of travel. Yeah, the first comfort, first commercial, fl- or first uh, first time you fly commercial after the season in the summer, you really realize how nice we have it. Yeah, yeah. we do. That's it's why awesome. anytime I hear any complaints whatsoever about. Oh my God, the road and this and that. It's like, no, 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 no. It's no, not no, bad. No. The only thing bad about the road is that we miss a lot of things that go on back home. Yeah. And by we, I mean everybody that's in the traveling party in that. Uh, but by no means are we sacrificing anything no. with the way that we travel around. So, travel talk. Uh, back with a thought on Jason Spezza and his 1,000th game that he'll be playing in Montreal, which is a perfect place to play your 1,000th game. I think if you're going to choose one, that's where you'd want to probably play it. And uh, a special nod to Holy Puckaganda, who's not on the podcast this week because he did not phone in uh, in any way, shape, or form, and he's not on the trip. So Dick Dillman, kiss a goodbye in 2019 because that's not going to happen. Back with uh, Mr. Spezza. After this interlude. So I've come to really enjoy Jason Spezza. He's just my type of guy. Speaking of Steve Ott, they were buddies back in junior in Windsor. Yeah. He told me the other day. Steve Ott got uh, Jason Spezza a lot of assists. Yes. 50 goal scorer. Yeah. Huge. Made him. (laughs) <laughs> he always told us that. I know. Now assistant coach with the St. Louis Blues and beloved former star. The the Jason Spezza hitting a thousand games at the I'd like to say the Forum in Montreal, but at the Bell Center in Montreal seems perfect because there aren't many like him anymore. Uh, you know, guys that know the, speaking of history and yeah. what have you, that know the history, embrace the history, seek out the history just enjoy everything about the tapestry of hockey in general and certainly the National Hockey League and he hasn't lost any of that sort of childlike wonderment and uh, he he just enjoys 
I think he's really enjoying this moment because he's playing great. Yeah. I think that, well, that's a huge part of it. Uh, you know, he, the one line he uh, gave me uh, for the story I wrote was uh, he said, people were writing my obituary last year, and that really got under my skin. And so he worked really hard in the summer to, yeah. you know, to become the player he is right now and, and to get the points he's getting. And we also had a nice discussion about how it's not selfish to want to get points if that's what's important for your role on the team. I mean, this team needs secondary scoring. He loves getting points. I know he does, but but that's what I, I think. But he can rationalize that it, he's I, doing yes, his job for yes. the team. But what I really appreciate about him is that as much as he wants to fit and conform into a team, like he wants to win. Yes. Like in the worst way. And I mean win big, not just win a hockey game. Yeah. But he also really loves him his style of playing and makes no bones about the fact that I Lots of people have tried to change me in yep. that, but I just my his passion is to try people on and to dangle and to toe drag. And he he still lives for that now. And he's gonna he's gonna play his one thousandth game in a against a team that he has just annihilated in his career. For and he said to me today that he hasn't had an awful lot of really big Point nights has just been right. a steady hammer to the forehead of the Montreal Canadiens through the years, and his favorite road arena to play in is this one, and it was back to his days with the Ottawa Senators, yep. and obviously they would come in here two Canadian teams on a Saturday, and he he talked about you know in this city you, you're walking from the hotel to the rink, and the construction guys know who you are, yep. and they're razzing you all the way to the rink. They know, and then you come back five years later, it's the same guys building another uh, sky rise <laughs> on the other side, and they're giving it to you again. They know what you did last yes, game and they, everything. Every, oh, minus three, huh? Oh, fourth line now, huh? just spent time. But 32 goals, 37 assists for 69 points. He's the active uh, point leader against the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, just, I'm, I'm happy for him that was a tough year for him last year and and uh you know he's he's not always going to be every coach's cup of tea and I, I would think even within uh streaks where he's he's been brilliant offensively in years past there probably were some games where the coach is just like rolling his eyes and pulling his hair out that right. Jason Spezza tried to beat four guys instead of just three and maybe turned the puck over and and it went the other way but I, I think the game at its at its at its purest, its best, its most entertaining is a game where Jason Spezza excels in it. Yeah, and, I, and the other thing that's interesting is his, his like you say, his boy-like wonderment of the game and enjoyment of the game. And he really does. He wants to be a good hockey player. And he talks about how he would, you know, play road hockey or play hockey in his basement with his brother. And that's all he wanted to do. And then now you look back, and he's only 35, so it's not like he's lived his whole life. But he's Just about lived his whole hockey you know, his life. His whole though. hockey life. But to think that he's been able to do that, to go from the basement to 1,000 NHL games and, you know, the next one that, you know, I think he wants is 1,000 NHL points, and we'll see if he can get that. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's an easy guy to like, and there'll be a uh, it'll be a big night for him playing 
tomorrow at the Bell Center, and then I think they're going to celebrate him at home. At home, yeah, first home game. Uh, who is that? Nashville. I don't. Even, I think I, I haven't looked. I, think, I know. I'm with you. <laughs> a silver stick will be involved. First, yes, yes. <laughs> Every guy gets a silver stick nowadays. I think that started in Edmonton. You know, it may have. I think it did. Well, and it's interesting. I think, I think this it, one's going to be his stick too. It's like his. Well, he wouldn't so, use anything but his own pattern. Well, it's funny because he, you know, he says he would if they had wood, he would still use wood. But you know, the pattern has to be exactly the yeah. way he wants it. So I think that's kind of special for him. All right. Uh, so that that was in in lieu of Tom Holy, I, I dropped some Jason Spezza knowledge on people and, and, and some positive Jason Spezza. Yeah, in Holy Pagaganda, we might not need Tom in the future. I kid. Uh, finish up with this, and we'll be out of here for another week. Best piece of advice that you use on a daily basis uh, would be what? Always be prepared. And I know that sounds very trite, but in our job, the sounds end, Sounds old-timey to me, yeah, doesn't the, it? The end of the game can swing so far one way or the other uh, because of hockey. And that's the same for baseball, football, anything nowadays. So have all your stuff ready to write a game that's a win, to write a game that's a loss, to be, you know, in my particular job, you really need to be prepared. And I've seen you in your preparation and it just, it makes all the difference in the world for the final product. Yeah. Your preparation is always revealed. That's not mine, but I just thought I'd drop that one on top of you. There are two ways to do something the right way. And again, that's mine. It's I good love, advice. I just love that. You can take shortcuts. You yeah. can get it done quickly. Probably going to have to do it again. Yeah. So just do it right the first time. And with that, we'll talk to you again next week from the road. Where are we next week Boston. for this one? Ooh, hey now. I heard, I heard they're pretty good at the sports in that city. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. Bye for now.